T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back. David Haw, Bruce Levine here. Another hour talking baseball, talking Cubs, talking White Sox. Let's stick with the White Sox and then go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. That's where we find White Sox. Assistant General Manager Jeremy Haber. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, guys. Good morning. Good to be back with you. Yeah, good to have you back. Let's start with how difficult of a week this has been. I imagine from an executive standpoint, the helplessness is difficult, but how would you describe this five-game losing streak that is, is, is spotlighted some bad pitching, bad defense, and untimely hitting? Well, certainly nothing enjoyable about it. Um, you know, there's no there's no cruise control setting on a baseball season, and we're going to have these ups and downs. Um, but you know, I think if we if we pulled out last night, I think the headline we'd be talking about was how good Michael Kopech was. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to have that be lost. Uh, he's doing something really hard. Uh, he makes it look easy with his skills. Uh, but you know, you had a two year absence, and then you know goes into a relief role, and now back into a starting role and uh, really proud of what he accomplished last night. And um, it's unfortunate we didn't get to pull it out. You know, we were talking, Jeremy, and, and again, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we're, David and I were talking about uh, depth and we had some callers about the depth of pitching staff, but uh, how does an organization prepare for losing uh, two of their top starting pitchers within the first week of the season, one for two months, uh, the other for uh, a couple starts, at least, although you're getting Giolito back tomorrow. And, uh, you know, just the the pressure and the situation it puts an organization in, knowing that you're only a couple weeks into the season and knowing that uh, maybe no pitching staff in baseball can absorb losing two starters within a week. Sure, Bruce. Look, it, injuries are always frustrating, and it, it's it's a constant part of our off-season discussions, and then continues into the season. And you you know you're going to go through it at some point. You don't know when, and you don't know who, and you try to create as much uh, depth around it. Uh, we're going to get a, a look at Johnny Cueto today uh, in Charlotte. Uh, obviously, once once Lance went down. Uh, we had another uh, impetus to go find another arm, and, and that was someone we had talked to throughout the offseason uh, and finally found the right fit. 
but you're right. It, it, it's something we, we, we talk about a lot. Um, and injuries aren't fun, but we do then create opportunities for people to step up. Uh, when Garrett Crochet went down, you know, now we're seeing Tanner Banks and Souza and that's, that's the exciting part is it, it does create opportunity for others to show what they can do. All right, Jeremy, so you mentioned Johnny Cueto in Charlotte. I wondered if you could provide some details of what his, his plan is for today. How long will he go? Um, and what is realistic to possibly see if he is sharp and he is ready? And he is 36, so is it, how soon could he be in the White Sox rotation? Look, he's, he needs the spring training, um, and so we, we're, we agreed to take him along slowly, and we'll see where he's at, at you know, with, with a higher level of competition here today. Uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to put time constraints on him. Uh, we want to bring him in, uh, make sure he's, he's fully prepared when he gets here. Uh, and I think we've seen uh, already this season planning more than uh, a start with bad to the full there. And so uh, excited to see him in Charlotte and hopefully he gives us another option here soon. All right. So I'm, I'm going to throw this at you and say, um, the consensus is people are happy you haven't trade, traded Vaughn for a pitcher up to this point. And I don't think the White Sox have any intention of trading Vaughn or any of their good young players. But the fact remains is that when you finish maybe second in a trade for somebody like Manaya from Oakland, you as front office people can't come out and say to Bruce Levine or to David Haw, Gee, you know, we finished second. We we made our best effort. We we gave them a good package, and we didn't get them because nobody cares, and you have to move on to the next. But uh, the idea that you have tried as hard as you can to continue to build, you know, this team into a cha- championship caliber team uh, is obvious from my point of view. But I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about the fact that. Uh, you can't talk about the trades that you almost made. It, it doesn't really apply to the future. Yeah, I think, you know, whether it's free agency or trade, uh, the the number of almost uh, that, that get reported, they're a small fraction of what we're, what we're doing behind the scenes. And uh, that's just the nature of our business. We talk a lot of, uh, about a lot of deals uh, and a relatively uh, small few get done. Um, and that's, that's because you know you might not have the players that line up. Uh, the asking price might be too high. Uh, but the the good part is uh, we we get another shot. Um, there's there's a trade deadline uh, that we've we haven't hesitated to to be aggressive, um, and 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 we continue to keep trying to add whenever we can. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much in the, to one particular deal that did or didn't get done. Talking with White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. And Jeremy, being on the air every morning, kind of in the trenches, if you will, and hearing from Sox fans every day, especially this past week, the one constant refrain, we have questions about the lineup. And obviously you're not in a position to explain or defend or anything, but I do wonder if you could help clarify when the front office – and the connection between the front office and Tony Larusa, I'm sure the communication is is a regular daily basis. But what role, if any, does the the front office have in the day to day lineups that get so much attention? 
Well, I, I know you're contractually obligated as a, a sports radio host to Monday morning quarterback the managerial <laughs> decisions. I, I, I know I know that's part of it. Thankfully, I'm not. Um, it, you're you're absolutely right. It, it's a it's a constant discussion, um, and there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. There's lots of people, coaching staff, front office, um, and and you know it's not just it's not just baseball. It's player availability. It's off days. It's, uh, knowing we came out of the short spring training, uh, wanting to make sure we get guys the the appropriate rest, uh, but it is absolutely an ongoing conversation, uh, literally every day. What concerns do you guys have about the White Sox defense? And when I ask that question generally, I know specifically how hard um, Larusa and the staff and the players worked with my eyes on defense and preparation and uh, the mechanics of defense and the thinking of defense. Uh, but when you see, uh, you know, another wonky start to the defense at the beginning of the year, and in particular, you know, uh, a guy who improved dramatically last year in Tim Anderson at shortstop, uh, you know, there, there's a concern because, to be frank, uh, one of the major things that LaRussa and everybody talked about is improving the defense in 2022. I wonder where you think that's at and, uh, you know, if the assessment is accurate. Well, I'll say this about, about TA. No one uh, takes more pride in his defense, has worked harder to, to become the defensive shortstop that he is. Um, and, you know, I have, I have zero concerns about him uh, riding the ship there, uh, team wide. Look, you know the baseball gods rarely uh, allow the team to fire at all cylinders on all sides of the ball at once. Uh, that's and and that's that's the nature of the game. Um, but it's early. We're two weeks in, uh, and we're we're sitting at exactly the same spot we were last year. Uh, and that team found its groove and won 93 games and won a division, and that's our expectation again this year. Jeremy, I think when you guys made a move at the director of strength and conditioning and Alan Thomas moved on, you know, obviously from the outside looking in, it was like, okay, there, there's going to maybe a change in philosophy or a change in uh, approach, and there's going to be an attempt to curtail some of the soft tissue injuries which have been or had been maybe an issue moving forward. This spring, I don't know if it's because of – or what, uh, condensed spring training, uh, maybe that explains part of it because you see it around baseball, but certainly the kinds of injuries that you have seen with, whether it's Luis Robert now with the latest with the groin strain and, and Yohan Mancata and Lucas Giolito, these are the kind of injuries that all teams want to avoid, but I wonder if there is an easy explanation just to assign it to you know, the calendar or something that's being done or not being done. Yeah, I mean, it's something it's something we talk about a lot on our end, and I know is a conversation going on throughout the game. Um, I think the the short spring training is something that uh, people have, you know worried about when when we started. Um, from our end, um, just hopeful to keep these things uh, as manageable as possible. Uh, it is as much as we talk about the lineup, we we talk about this even more. Um, and there's no there's no silver bullet. Uh, we're trying to stack as many small interventions as we can uh, to put the odds in our favor and keep guys as effective and available as possible. 
Jeremy, uh, we always appreciate you having having you on because you're always direct and honest uh, uh, with your answers. Uh, when when talking about uh, a player possibly getting an extension, what is the White Sox philosophy in season? Because uh, I remember uh, before you took over uh, uh, dealing with a lot of the contract talks for uh, extensions and everything else that Rick Hahn, you know, uh, and uh, Kenny got things done with uh, people like Sale in spring training and, uh, and and got things done. But what's your philosophy about people like Giolito and the possibility of getting contracts done during the season? I know if Kenny was on right now, he'd say, stay out of White Sox business. We don't talk about <laughs> it. But, uh, but, but the reality is, is that uh, it's, it's something that's interesting. It's something that's uh, obviously uh, something that Giolito and the White Sox would like to get done. What what are the odds of uh, during the season things like this getting done? Sure, uh, I, I think I think there's there's a good reason we don't talk about that, which is I think when we negotiate in private, uh, it allows both the the club and and the agent and the player to to speak freely. I think that's really important um, in terms of actually getting a deal done. Uh, in terms of our philosophy, I, I, I just look at you know our behavior in the past. The, the vast majority of these, you're right, um, do take place during spring training or in the off season, um, and and that has been our preference uh, to because you know when when we're in season, we're competing. We want guys focused there, um, and so would never say never on something. But if you look at our our our, our past, uh, that's that's how we've tried to approach it. Jeremy, yeah. really appreciate your time because it gives us some insight into how, you know, executive views the season and maybe even like some trades. And and I wanted to to go back and the Zach Collins for Reese McGuire trade turns out to be really one that benefited both teams. And I think where maybe it benefited both players in that they were both, you know, first round draft picks who for for different reasons might not have reached their potential. But take us back to the mindset before you guys executed that deal, what you were looking for, and why you see trades like this work for both teams when when players, you know, it's easy to say they need a change of scenery, but sometimes maybe they just need a change of scenery. So I think that's right. And from from our end, uh, you know, when you have a, a frontline catcher like Yaz, um, the backup role uh, kind of has a particular need. Uh, and when we had several conversations this, this offseason, our priority uh, was catching their own defense. Um, and Reese is, is outstanding, uh, as we've seen in, in, in the short sample. Um, and so when he became available, uh, it, it was the type of guy we had been targeting all offseason. Um, and the the and, and the Jays, you know, similarly looking for a left-handed bat. Uh, so that was one deal that uh, was able to come together, and I think that's right. We'll we'll hopefully benefit both clubs. Uh, the last one from me, and again, uh, we we thank you very much for taking the time out and adding your expertise and uh, and your openness uh, every time you're on our show. Uh, where where do we stand with the Luis Robert? And uh, is it good news that he hasn't been put on the IL? Is there a chance? By early next week, he's back in the lineup. Yeah, I think we'll we'll, we'll see how the next couple of days go. Uh, the initial the initial read was pretty good, uh, and so you're right. We didn't we didn't go ahead and put him right on. 
Uh, but we want to see how he responds over the next couple of days, and uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Jeremy, before we let you go, you're right. I am also contractually obligated to overreact to starting pitchers going one <laughs> inning. So in the Dallas Keuchel context, what would you say is the level of concern after his latest outing? Aberration or concern that uh, th- this, is, uh, this is something that you're going to have to address? No, I think I think we gotta I think we gotta play play out more than two weeks. Uh, I don't think it's fair to evaluate uh, anyone on that type of sample, and um, that and we'll we'll kind of just like the whole team hasn't hit its stride. Uh, I think we want to see how how this continues to play out. Jeremy, thanks so much, uh, David. And I appreciate your time and expertise as always. And uh, you know, if, I could say the checks in the mail, but we can't pay you for doing this. Uh, but we have. Uh, much gratitude for you coming on and uh, informing White Sox fans of what's happening in the Sox Nation. So thanks again. Have a great day and appreciate you coming on Inside the Clubhouse. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Jeremy Haber, White Sox Assistant General Manager, giving us a rundown of everything going on as, as best that he can and explaining things as best as he is able. Uh, there, It's been a difficult week on the South Side, Bruce. You lose five games in a row after getting off to a pretty promising start and uh, yeah, it's going to the glass is going to see very half empty, and and it does right now. But things will get better. It's a long season, and this team is too good to be this bad defensively at the plate and on the mound. White Sox fans, uh, your reaction to Jeremy Haber, assistant general manager, on the show at three one two six four four six seven six seven. Cub fans, where has your offense gone? Are you okay with the new approach of? More contact, but unfortunately at this point, less slug. Yeah, do you agree with the Ian Happ t-shirt? Launch angle is overrated. Let us know. 312-644-6767. Inside the clubhouse, Bruce Levine, David Haw here in Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. I do think offensively, uh, I think we have a chance to be a lot like we were at the end of last season. I just think you know we had a, a period where we hit a lot of homers but didn't have a lot of rallies. I think this team is going to have the ability to string hits together. I think it's going to be a, a fun offense to watch, maybe a little different than the past, but I do think our offense has a chance to surprise people once we get into this season. Welcome back. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock. That was Jed Hoyer addressing reporters the other day in the midst of at the beginning of the four-game losing streak the Cubs find themselves in. Bruce, the season started so well for the Cubs. We talked about the impact of a guy like Seiya Suzuki on the entire lineup, the plate discipline that he brings each and every bat, and we saw maybe that emphasized to to a greater degree this year with Greg Brown, the new hitting coach brought over from the Rays organization, and that was the the tone of the conversation, and then they lost four in a row and they stopped hitting. So, Bruce, where are you with this new Cub approach, so to speak, and its effectiveness or its sustainability over the long haul? Well, again, I'll answer I'll answer your question with another question. David, uh, who do you expect to put up big offensive numbers on this team? Who do you expect to slug on this team? Who do you expect to drive and run? Suzuki has been a very pleasant and needed part but you know if you take away his slugging his home runs his on-base percentage uh there's not a a heck of a lot going on with the lineup well how many guys in that lineup do you foresee or envision or predict 
hitting more than 25 home runs. Okay, so yeah, I mean we're we're ping ponging this, right? I mean, uh, no, I'll, I'll answer that. I'm, I guess that was rhetorical. Yeah. Rhetorical. I should stop asking these mm-hmm. rhetorical questions. Uh, should I ask, stop asking these rhetorical questions? Yes. Do I ask them too often? Maybe. Okay. Patrick Wisdom has to hit more than 25 home runs. Say a Suzuki will hit more than 25 home runs. Ian Happ is capable of hitting more than 25 home runs. Wilson Contreras possibly will hit more than 25 home runs. Doubtful. I don't know about that. What do you think? I mean, is who am I missing? Frank Schwindel? Will he swing? Well, I mean, I think, I think Gomes is a legitimate offensive player when he's in there now. That's a, that's a fortification of a lineup because you're not sacrificing a good defensive t- catcher uh, um, when you're backing up uh, Contreras and, and knowing you're not going to get any offense. It's twofold. He's a very good defender, and he's also an offensive player. So I, I think you're going to get offense out of that position. I think he's going to catch more than you think, and I think Contreras will DH uh, more than you think as well because his bat has to be in there and providing uh, pop. You know, two weeks is a sample size. It, it's not really uh, indicative of the season, but, you know, when you are sacrificing uh, power for contact, uh I don't think David Ross, in talking to him this week, feels you have to. And he feels that he needs slug. And when I talk about power, David, I'm not talking about home runs. Okay. I'm talking about extra base hits. Extra base I'm, I'm hits. talking about driving the ball. You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, no more launch angle of significance, but still enough to be able to drive the ball to the outfield and into the gaps. Well, let's start with this, the, the top of the order. And, and I think that it's fair to question Tony La Russa about his lineup uh, choices. It's just as fair to question David Ross sometimes. I like the idea of him putting, say, Suzuki in the number two spot. That is where today's baseball managers, today's baseball game, you see your best hitter, your most selective uh, hitter, and that is where Suzuki belongs. I am a little confused on what they're looking for at the leadoff spot, we see Nick Madrigal there last night. We've seen Ortega there at times. I, why not Wilson Contreras there more often than not, Bruce? What, what, are the, what are the Cubs looking for in that leadoff spot, and how important do you view it? Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things like let's, let's take a look at, at the lineup today. So today's lineup has Ortega, DH, Suzuki in right, Contreras batting third and catching Hap in left field, Wisdom at third, VR at second, Hayward in center, Rivas just called up to, uh, um, to off of uh, from Iowa, uh, and Horner at shortstop. So, you know, again, uh, Ortega's in there, you know, with a right-handed pitcher to get some pop and some leadoff ability. Uh, again, uh, the leadoff spot is, you know, it's, it's an important spot. You have to get on base. You have to be get people on base to get driven in but your best hitters right now are Suzuki Contreras and Hap that's the opinion of David uh, David Ross that's why they're betting second third and fourth uh, then Wisdom VR has had a nice start or offensively uh, and then Hayward and, and Rivas playing first base today and Horner had three hits yesterday but again you know the production from those guys uh, it's hard to say uh, exactly you know where you're going to get that production from you know is is madrigal and horner are they going to be productive in the sense of getting on base so other people can drive them in 
who are those other people? Is it always going to be Suzuki or Contreras and Happ and, and hardly anyone else? I'd like to see him give Nick Madrigal an extended audition at the leadoff spot. I would like to see exactly what they have in him. In a, in a season mm-hmm. like this, which feels kind of developmentally, and, and I think it's one of those types of years where they start okay and they're going to flirt with 500. Let's see how competitive they can be. You need to know what you have. I don't think that you learn a lot by Ralph, or Rafael Ortega being your leadoff guy. I, I think you give him credit for what he accomplished last year, Bruce, and it is early in the season, but he's not off to a good start. And, and I think when you're hitting below 200, it's hard to justify. And when you see his name at the top of the batting order as a Cub fan, you're like, what? What's going on here? Why? What? So I, that's where I think it would start because he is a contact hitter. And we talk about the approach. Then you have Suzuki. All of a sudden, you're, you, you're, you get through the first two guys, you're more likely to you know, have the approach that you're seeking, and I wonder what effect that has on the rest of the lineup. So I guess it starts there, and, and I just would like to see Madrigal get, get more of an opportunity to be the leadoff guy. Cubs and Sox fans, you open lines at 312-644-6767 until the end of our show. Sox fans, Cub fans, where are the offense is going right now? What are your thoughts about uh, how the team is being handled by the front offices, the managers? Uh, we are here for you, and we are open to your ideas as well. And the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com, and that is where we find Rich in Old Town. Our buddy Rich, good morning. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, morning, guys. i got to tell you before I get started that, uh, David, you and Bruce are the best baseball show anywhere. I travel all over the country, and uh, I'm a big sports fan, as you know, not only baseball, but I played three sports in high school and two in college, so I follow everything. And uh, you guys are doing a great job. But here's what I want to talk about, and I'll, I want to get your opinion. I, I love stat analysis, and I love to play general manager, but – the comparative here, not only against the league, but between the two teams, brings out obvious flaws. And, it, and let me, I'll go through them fast. On the team runs per game, the White Sox are 22nd, 3.38. And the hits per game, they're 23rd at 6.77. Team pitching, all right, this is even worse. The White Sox are better than the Cubs, but 3.46 ERA and a whip of 1.28. So not only are they getting hit, they're getting walks. Defense is so glaring. I know you guys talk about this, but how about this? How about the White Sox are averaging 1.23 errors per game, which is dead last in the MLB, and they're pushing the record. If they keep this up, they'll own the record in the history of baseball for most errors in the season held by the 62 and 63 Mets. And 210. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really good trend. That's, that's a 1.3 average. I think the White Sox may break the record. And if you have a win-now attitude, and I do, and I thought the White Sox did, I looked this up and I was stunned. They have seven outfielders on the, on the roster, and their top two prospects, Colas and Cespedes, who are rising stars. you got nine outfielders and horrible pitching. Why wouldn't you take a look at Engel, Garcia, Hazley, and even Pollock, why do you trade for him when you've got seven outfielders? Thanks, yeah, Rich. I'll give it back to you. I think it's great. Yeah. Appreciate the praise and the phone call. 
and, and the hard work, uh, the putting the stats in, just like our friend Mark, Mark Potash from the Sun-Times, who was uh, carefully analyzing what uh, we do on, on Saturday mornings and is a avid listener and a great friend. Yeah, thank you, Mark Potash. I think Mark Potash is definitely uh, worth pointing out that he pointed out to us because he is Mr. Modern Baseball. We know that, and he embraces analytics. He's immersed in them. The Sox are first in baseball in barrel percentage, second in exit velocity, and third in hard hit percentage. So he's saying that basically the analytics, as he reminds us on the Twitter machine, which I know he has mastered, the analytics say that they will eventually break out of this, Bruce, in mm-hmm. time because they are making contact. Do you agree? Uh, I agree to an extent. I believe in their offense. Uh, uh, the concern is when you don't hit, they don't walk. This is not a, a walking team. This is not an on-base percentage team. They're sitting at a 264 on-base percentage, which is uh, 28th in baseball right now. So, again, it's a two-week trend. But, uh, the, you know, when Grandal's not in the lineup, um, there, there are not uh, – he's as selective of a hitter that there is in the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. He will take his walks. Uh, I think there's some trending for some of the younger guys to walk a little bit more. I think Vaughn is going to be a, a guy that has high both uh, on-base percentage as well as slug. Uh, but um, when they don't hit, they don't walk, they don't get men on base. Um, that statistically has never worked in baseball, no matter how many other numbers you crunch. I think we have two different situations, though, on each side of town because – Okay, my without without looking at the analytics and, and and all of the numbers, if I'm a White Sox fan, I want that team full of mashers going up to mash. I want these guys hitting 30 plus home runs. I want those guys hitting with the power into the alleys. I want them to hit with slug. If I'm the Cubs, I think you do have to stretch out and balance the order, and you have to be more selective, and you have to maybe take this new approach that Greg Brown brought to Chicago from Tampa. And I think you need to be uh, everything that you see in Seiya Suzuki each and every at bat, very disciplined, contact-driven. All of these things are true. I think they're very different stylistically when you look at the lineups of the Cubs and the White Sox, even though this week the results have been the same because they both have stunk. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, but the, the, the you know White Sox have far more upper-level hitters on their team okay quality all-star type players and that's not demeaning cub players it's just a reality that the white Sox have spent the last six years in building through trade and through uh, farm system and through uh, uh, um, international free agency and regular free agency a team that can slug and can drive in a lot of runs i love the approach of white Sox hitters and you will see it and that approach is the Frank Manichino coach uh, or, or trend, and that is to use the power alley. And he has he has guys like Abreu. He has guys like Robert. He has guys like Eloy that use that right center approach because right. they know they can do damage and hit the ball out the other way, and they cannot be taken advantage of on breaking balls and pitching outside of the zone. They reach out there, and they can drive the ball out of the ballpark anywhere. And that's why they're such a dangerous offense, and they will break out, and they will score runs. Again, I just caution people that when they do struggle, like they are right now, uh, on-base percentage is going to be limited because they don't walk, and that will lead to many games where you're only scoring one to three runs. 
I'm always struck at how the answer to a team's hitting woes and sometimes an individual's issues or slumps uh, rooted in the idea of going the other way, of going with pitches and using the entire field and not trying to pull everything. And maybe the more you struggle, the more you press and the more you want to pull everything because that's your instinct. But you're exactly right. The Sox have those kind of power hitters that are able to use the entire field to their advantage. And the sooner they can get back to doing that, the better for everyone. All right, Bruce, we've got another segment left. We're going to look around the league a little bit. We're going to talk about the trend in baseball. We're also going to try to get in the guys who are on hold, so don't uh, go away. We will be back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. They are not. No, they are. Oh, man. Ron Gardenhire said Tom Kelly told him early in his career Stay away from the intentional walk, especially of the big guys, because it usually backfires, but also, Jim, because people are coming to see that guy hit, which I thought was interesting. I I thought it was interesting, too, but if you're the manager of the Yankees, what are you going to do? Let them hit. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 674. That was a clip from the Tigers-Yankees game the other day, and it was one nothing in the eighth inning, Bruce. Runners on second and third. Tigers held a 1-0 lead, as I said, and Miguel Cabrera was at the plate. One hit away from 3,000 hits. The magical plateau. A lot of people there to see that happen, uh, and he was walked intentionally. I think it was the right thing to do. Of course you don't want to get any – give up a, a, a single to a guy who's likely to get a single and drive in two more runs? Why was there such a fuss? Well, the fuss is um, created by people who like to have conversations on sports radio. Um, it, it, to me, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you. There's, there's no reason not to walk Miguel Cabrera because it sets out an out which you need to get at every base, including home plate. So the percentages are with you uh, that you are not going to give up more runs and you set up the force in every base. The idea that Kelly told Gardenhire that people are coming to see that guy hit, I don't believe that story. I know Tom Kelly. I know Gardenhire. They are not going to try to please fans to, to make sure that somebody uh, gets to hit at the cost of them winning a baseball game. Totally ridiculous. There's no way in the world that commentary is correct, okay? Believe me when I tell you those two baseball guys would never consider the fact that the the people in the stands have to be satisfied with their decision before they make one to try to win or lose a ball game. That was courtesy of Tigers Radio and Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, uh, did what I think a lot of baseball people thought he should do. Miguel Cabrera still will likely... Uh, or at least he'll be in a position to get his 3,000th hit today. Tigers and Rockies at Comerica Park. He is in the lineup batting third. Bruce, we take a step back. You look around the league as well. Let's get back to this idea of home runs being down. By design or by coincidence, you look at uh, the ESPN.com, the LA Daily News wrote about this. Uh, I think all 30 teams for the first time this season are using humidors to store the baseballs which gives it a uniformity, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be traveling, you know, not as far, but it means that there's a uniformity to the baseball that 
continues to be a mystery throughout the league. You'd never know. Even executives paid to make you know these big decisions don't know what kind of baseball they're using, and yet you see a day like last Sunday. They're in, in 14 games. There were 15 home runs, and it was the first time there were that few home runs in 14 games since 1993. Something's going on here. Well, there's a combination of things. The humidor is something that limits the flight of baseballs. It's being used by all 30 teams for the first time in baseball history. Last year, 12 teams used it. So that limits the flight uh, to a certain extent. Also, you have to look at how pitchers are pitching now. The trends percentage-wise are now greater on uh, nasty breaking balls, not just the velo. Uh, of uh, you know the the upswing in the great arms that are being used out of the bullpens and starting rotation, but the fact that more breaking balls are being thrown, more of them are being thrown for to precision, meaning ne- not necessarily a strike but look like a strike. So the, the the contact rate is is less, and it has been for a long time. And more importantly, right now, two weeks does not make a season, David, and we're talking about nasty weather and 24 games of a spring training that's normally uh, 45 days. So let's let's hold off a little bit on some of that other than the fact that um, uh, teams are indeed trying to be more contact-oriented, and it might come with a cost of some power. But nonetheless, uh, I, I believe that um, two weeks is too early, especially with the weather that we've been looking at in the Midwest and trying to get trends on that. Do you think that you know, more contact, fewer homers leads to quicker games. And I know, I don't know if those two things are related, but we see the emphasis on the pitch clock, the evidence from minor leagues that they're using to present that those games are being 15 to 20 minutes shorter, you know, small sample size, but this is coming to major league baseball. Is that related as well to if you have more contact, there's more action and the games move quicker. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for pace. Uh, I like pace rather than uh, time of game. OK, so I'm, I'm a pace guy. Most people say, well, you know, it's it's the same thing. No, it's not. Uh, I, I like the pace of games where there's more contact, uh, where there is less uh, less pitching changes. I think all of those contribute to a more exciting brand of baseball. But, David, uh, the big picture question is, do you have players that can adjust to being more contact hitters that have been taught and and uh, and promoted and uh, have uh, matriculated because of their slug and their ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Is that too big of an ask for some of these players to change the way that they go? Our our earlier guest, Patrick Wisdom, is an obvious guy. We want less swing and miss from you, but we still want you to hit home runs. Good luck on that. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Good luck on that. Maybe Maybe you're a superstar. No... You you can't you you shown that you can be a really good all-around player, but you're not a superstar. You cannot necessarily make all these adjustments and keep what you have for. So I think that it's going to take some time for contact and uh, the ability to be productive with contact, uh, being a part of Major League Baseball. You just don't turn that switch off and on. And both teams will try to be productive at the plate, get back on the winning track today. The Cubs and Kyle Hendricks go against the Pirates and Zach Thompson pregame right here on the score, 1245. And then later in the afternoon, the White Sox and Vince Velasquez go against the Twins and Dylan Bundy. That game starts at 3 o'clock at Target Field 
in Minneapolis. This has been a good show, Bruce. Steve Rosenblum will be next and then leading up to Cubs pregame at 1245. Good discussions, and, and we have some people to thank, starting with Patrick Wisdom as well as Jeremy Haber, the White Sox assistant general manager. This was a very fun show. Thanks, Bruce. It was, David. Uh, you know, Cesar, we appreciate uh, your contributions with uh, the great production that you gave us. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website at 670thescore.com where I write Cubs and Sox. Our good friend Cody Westmoreland joining uh, our good friend Steve Rosenblum on his show to talk Bulls playoff picture here oh, and where they're I at as well. We agreed, Bruce, not to mention the Bulls. They lost by 30, a franchise worst playoff loss. They said well, you there would be no front, Bulls you, talk. You're, and we said there's no front running in uh, on our station, too. David, thanks a lot. Fun doing it with you. Have a great week, okay? Thanks, Bruce. Have a great week. We will talk to you again right here Monday morning, Mully and Haw, 5 to 9 every weekday morning. We will break down the Bulls and the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bears, and everything. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Cesar. Thank you for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.